Welcome to Drug Cards Daily, the show that delivers drug card information to you in a bite-sized format for all you busy students and healthcare professionals. Make sure to check us out at DrugCardsDaily.com and please subscribe to the podcast and remember to download each episode. Before we begin, just a quick word from today's sponsor. Today we're going to go over Escitalopram. The brand name for this drug is Lexapro. The therapeutic category is that it's an antidepressant. More specifically, it's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, or an SSRI. One of the main indications for escitalopram is that it's used in treating major depressive disorder that is unipolar. So it's used for treating acute unipolar major depressive disorder. Another indication is that it's used for generalized anxiety disorders. In pediatrics, it's used in covering depression and social anxiety disorder. There are a variety of off-label uses for escitalopram, many that are not going to be covered here, so please refer to the most recent guidelines and literature. To name a few of the off-label indications, escitalopram can be used in treating binge eating disorders, body dimorphic disorders, bulimia nervosa, and OCD, just to name a few. Regarding dosage form, strength, and dosing for escitalopram, the dosing form and strengths are there's a solution and a tablet. The solution comes in a 5 mg per 5 ml concentration, and tablets come in a 5 mg, 10 mg, and 20 mg tablet. Now let's go over the dosing for unipolar major depressive disorder in adults. So when you initiate escitalopram, you start with 10 mg by mouth every day, and then based on the patient response and what they tolerate, you may increase in 10 milligram increments after about one week, and the recommended manufactured dose is around 20 milligrams by mouth every day. So an important note here is doses of 30 milligrams by mouth every day have been used in practice, and there is additional benefits that have been shown since about 2011. Regarding dosing for depression in pediatrics, the data is limited, but the use in teenagers is very common. So in children that are less than 12 years of age, the data is very limited. So please refer to the most recent guidelines and literature. And for dosing in children that are greater than 12 years of age, typically the dose is 10 milligrams by mouth every day. And then based on the patient's response, you may increase after about three weeks to a max of 20 milligrams by mouth every day. Now regarding dosing for social anxiety disorders in pediatrics, once again the data here is limited, but the use in teenagers is very common. So in children between the ages of 10 and 17 years of age, dosing is typically going to be around 5 milligrams by mouth every day for 7 days, then you increase to 10 milligrams per day for 7 days, and then based on the patient response, you may increase in 5 milligram increments to the max dose of about 20 milligrams per day. Something pretty important to quickly touch upon here when regarding dosing is the discontinuation of the patient's therapy. 
You do want to gradually taper the dose in order to minimize any of the symptoms of withdrawal, and you do want to allow for time to assess if the initial syndromes reemerge. So the tapering data is limited, but it's recommended to do that taper over at least several weeks for up to four to six months for patients that have been on long-term therapy. The Mechanism of Action and Pharmacology Escitalopram is similar in chemical structure to citalopram, being the S enantiomer of the racemic derivative of citalopram. Escitalopram selectively inhibits serotonin with minimal to no effects on norepinephrine or dopamine reuptake. There is minimal to no affinity for 5-HT, alpha and beta adrenergic, H, D, and M receptors, as well as the benzodiazepine receptors. There is also minimal to no affinity for sodium, potassium, chloride, and calcium ion channels. The metabolism for escitalopram is hepatic via the CYP2C19, 3A4, and 2D6 pathways. Escitalopram is primarily excreted in the urine, with 8% being unchanged. In patients with hepatic impairment, the excretion is decreased by 37%, and in patients with renal impairment, the decrease is around 17%. The onset of action of escitalopram in depressive disorders The benefits are typically observed within the first two weeks, and the continued improvement is seen throughout four to six weeks. Regarding time to peak for the drug, in adolescence, the peak occurs typically around 2.9 hours. The peak in adults is approximately around five hours. Regarding half-life of escitalopram, The half-life elimination in adolescence is around 19 hours. In adults, it's typically between 27 and 32 hours. This drug is around 56% plasma-bound. Side effects. So the common side effects for escitalopram are diarrhea, dizziness, fatigue, xerostomia, drowsiness, headache, insomnia, and nausea. There is a black box warning for suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So antidepressants increase the risk of suicidal thoughts and behaviors in pediatric young adult patients. So it's very important to monitor patients closely for clinical worsening and for the emergence of suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Escitalopram is not approved in patients less than 12 years of age. Drug interactions. So the first to mention is alcohol, which will enhance the adverse toxic effects of SSRIs. The next are amphetamines, which enhance the serotonergic effect, and it could result in serotonin syndrome. The other drug interaction to be concerned about is that SSRIs can enhance the antiplatelet effects of aspirin. You do also want to avoid other antipsychotics and mood stabilizers, or at least be aware of them, because those may enhance the adverse toxic effects of SSRIs. 
And in terms of kind of a broad statement for the drug interactions for escitalopram is to pay attention to the pathways that it gets metabolized through. So since it gets metabolized through the CYP2C19 and the 3A4 pathways, you do want to be cautious when CYP2C19 inhibitors or CYP3A4 inducers are being used concurrently with this drug. Monitoring parameters. So it's important to monitor for suicidal thoughts and behaviors, as mentioned as that black box warning. Other monitoring parameters are those that are consistent with serotonin syndrome signs and symptoms, such as hyperreflexia, clonus, hypothermia, diaphoresis, tremor, and autonomic instabilities. It's also important to do an ECG in patients that are at risk for QT prolongation. Specifically, the risk factors are older age, female, bradycardia, and patients that have been hypokalemic. The monitoring parameters to also be aware of are going to be things like electrolytes, liver and renal function tests, and pregnancy. I put pregnancy with the monitoring parameters because it's very important to be aware that this drug does cross the placenta and it increases the risk of teratinergic effects. Patient counseling information. Patients should be counseled that this drug is used to treat mood and anxiety disorders and that some of the common side effects are nausea, dizziness, GI such as diarrhea and constipation, and insomnia. Thanks for listening to Drug Cards Daily, and remember to check out the show notes for additional links or go to DrugCardsDaily.com to download a free PDF of the drug card sheet used for this episode. Thanks and take care.